first of all, if you say all the media are the same in terms of what they cover and how they cover it, I'd say, well, yes, in many places they are, and this is very good. Welcome to Media Minded, the podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction. Produced by Shout Out UK, the UK's leading political and media literacy education platform, in association with ACT, the Association for Citizenship Teaching. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department. I am your host, Matteo Bergamini, and I am here today with Michal Giersch from Poland. And he is a presenter at Polsat News. Michal, thank you for joining me. Tell me a bit about yourself. Um, so just as you said, I'm a journalist. I, a, um, I host a morning show on Polsat. Polsat is um, one of three major um, television stations in Poland. Polsat News is, uh, is one of those. So the morning show is broadcasted both on Polsat, which is you could say the most popular channel and then it's also broadcasted on Polsat News um, I've been doing this I mean I, I've, I've been a journalist for um, I want to say 14 years now I guess um, and I've been hosting the show I guess for, for 3 years now um, I used to work for the radio before I've um, and so, so, so I've been on television for say uh, nine years, I guess now, reporting, then hosting, then having the the morning show, which is actually what I wanted to do for quite a long time. And uh, yeah, it's 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 cool. It's tricky. It's um, it's morning, <laughs> very morning. How how, how morning is very morning? Uh, you know, it's not very morning when you turn on the TV because it's you know we start five fifty nine six in the morning. But this means that um, I'm at work at four four twenty. So you must get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. Three thirty. Thir- yeah. Thir- uh, yeah, three thirty. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's what that, that's what you got to do to actually, you know, prepare yourself. I, I guess you you have to sort of read around um, the subjects. Like, what would you normally do to prep? Well, you know, I prep in the evening because uh, I know, you know who we are interviewing in the morning. So so I do a lot of preparations. I try to gather information on the subject and sometimes some personal information on, on the interviewee. So uh, maybe there's a, there's a personal link or a personal, you know, topic that we can talk about as well. Um, so, so this takes some time in the evening, but then in the morning, well, y- you need to check on the, on, on, on newspapers in the morning uh all of the news that that you know keep you know coming yeah. at night uh in the evening and then at night so i i'm not really a fan of watching the the, the evening interviews like all of them but you know whenever there's something important it's covered in in, in news in agencies in the evening then at night, there's night is usually United States news time difference, of course. So so there's a lot of Donald Trump in the morning usually to to, to read on um, newspapers. Uh, you know, going through the interviews that we are supposed to do once again, and then um, yeah, that's the morning. And um, making up, you know, uh, well, the one way we are affected uh, by 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 virus is that uh, i need to do my own makeup oh bless you (laughs) (laughs) has that been a learning curve for you it's not very it's not very hard with a guy you know it takes (laughs) two minutes maybe so it's 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 yeah (laughs) fair enough um i mean yeah um I'm getting get the pandemic sort of affected you personally in that respect, but how has the pandemic, do you think, affected your work in general? I mean, well, of course, like this is this is just the the the, the minor... Well, making you look good is important on TV. Don't don't undersell that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is one one of the things that I learned um, on television. Uh, it's you know 
doing makeup. Um, how is it affect? How how has it affected us? Um, first of all, we have we have reorganized the whole office. Um, so we are the. the we are divided into two groups. The whole team is divided into two groups. We're not supposed to mix. Um, so, like, I'm uh, Plan B. We have a, the A team, and we have Plan B. Um, so we are not supposed to mix, to, to meet after work. We are actually, we are banned from coming to, to the office, or, uh, to the building, when it's our day off. Oh, wow. Um, the routine is I work three days in a row. Then I have three days off. So it's three days plan B, me, and then the A team uh, for for the next three days. And then B, then A, then B, then A. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is one. We're not supposed to meet. Actually, um, I work with my wife. So we had to be the same team. But then we also work with our neighbor, and she got into the other group, the A group, the A team. That's a bit awkward. Uh, yeah, so she said to our like the supervisor um, for uh, for the schedule that well, you know, but we actually meet because we're neighbors. And she was like, "Oh my god!" So this this cannot be. We have to move you to the other group with them because you know if if you meet them, it's it's pointless. It's it's pointless. So so they changed it. Um, so this is one, two. I'm we are banned. We meaning the the morning show hosts and editors and producers. We are banned from entering the newsroom because all the we can i mean all the things necessary we can do in the studio there's computers there's like you know we have access to the agency's press and so on um so we are not supposed to enter uh, the newsroom i have not been in the newsroom for weeks now uh, which means i have not met many of my friends for weeks now my <laughs> colleagues because because i'm uh, normally it's hard for me to meet them sometimes because you know they they start work and I'm done because I finish work at nine in the morning. Um, so they're just starting. But sometimes, you know, I visit them. I go look around and talk to people. Now I'm not supposed to do it at all. Um, so this is another way. Uh, then, you know, you can see this on like internationally everywhere. Reporters do not approach whomever they interview because they have like, you know, they, they need to use this stick. Um, it's uh, the cover faces and so on. We don't, uh, we luckily we don't have to cover our faces in the studio <laughs> yet. Yet, yeah, let's, uh, let's hope it doesn't go that way. But yeah, it, it has everyday work has changed a lot for us. Um, I guess it got more difficult to, to many people. Oh, and of course, we have no guests in the studio, but this is also like everyone is doing this right now, so we only. Uh, we only interview people on on the internet or through you know video link or whatever else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or or just telephone them and that's it. I mean, it, it's it's interesting because obviously it it has. I mean, it hasn't stopped you being able to do your job in some capacity, but of course, it's it's definitely changed the way journalism and and news networks cover things. Um, well, saying that it it hits everyone because it does. Uh, media was media is I had I think for years has been quite a journalism was quite sometimes hard for journalists like in terms of of the market. Mm. And now it it's you know what I'm and I used to talk about it sometimes like okay so this is you know this market is bad and this is not very good and I'm I was complaining a lot. Now I stopped because. I could not imagine that this really happens to so many of my friends. Like they seriously are losing jobs. Their businesses stopped. They got into debts. They don't know if, you know, if they're able to work or not. in you know, the, the following weeks. Uh, and uh, now it's like, uh, apart from, you know, loving this job and so on. Now I'm, I have this feeling, Oh my God, somehow this, became a haven a safe haven like we have our job no one's firing us hopefully and you know it's it's on it's still on well actually we have you know the the, the highest numbers of viewers 
in the history of the station, to be honest, because everyone is following the news right now. So, what you know, the people, the numbers of people gathering in front of, of TVs and, and, and following us, it's just unbelievable. Um, so, on one hand, it's very hard. On the other hand, it's, you know, it's this is the time that this is this is the time that we need to actually get the job done and mm. and and be really good about it. Well, that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's it is times like these when you realize how um, important jobs like yours are and how 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 needed they are in society. Um, and and of course, you know, there's, there's silver linings and everything. And like you said, the silver lining is that you've you've realized how um, needed stuff like this is. Um, and and on that point, because obviously the role of of the media is one to 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 inform, um, especially during times of a global pandemic like this one. Um, but what would you say the role of the media and and I can't stress this enough, but responsible journalism is in in society in general. Um, especially now, it's um, I'd say three things. Um, just focusing on on the pandemic. Um, one is actually um what's what's normally journalist job is i'm um, asking questions if if of uh, um what the government what the authorities are claiming are saying they are doing if they're actually doing it and if the effect is what they are saying like the polish prime minister just yesterday he said that they have saved two millions of jobs in poland and why he says that is because before, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he said they have saved 1.5 million jobs in Poland. Why he says that and how he counted it is this is the number of people that have applied for like um, aid for companies. If the, so, so one of the conditions to get the, the aid, the help, the financial help, is not to fire anyone. So he pretty much says, okay, so we had we two million, I mean, uh, not too many, not two million entrepreneurs, but for too many employees, this was applied for. Like, so em- employers have applied for two million times, like for specific employees. Mm-hmm. But this, this is, but this doesn't mean this has saved. The, the jobs it, 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 it doesn't say that if they have not applied those two million times for two million employees they would fire them of course of course they wouldn't like many of those companies would probably fire some of the people would suck them um, so some of those employees would probably lose their jobs but not to not two million I mean I've just checked it 16 16 and a half million people are employed in Poland. If two millions lost their jobs, this would pr- this would pretty much mean that the economy has collapsed entirely. Like this would this would collapse <clears throat> the whole economy because of the market. What would happen to the market? Um, so uh, we asked the questions today. We were talking to the, the trade unions and um, employers union, and we're like, okay, so is this true? That's two million, and and they were actually like, okay, so I don't know where he got those figures. I was like, well, I do know. Because he used it before, and so one responsibility is saying that this is what they do. They are trying to use the situation, but this is untrue. Okay, so maybe you have saved some jobs, but on the other hand, I think thirty-six thousand people in Poland has lost their jobs already. So what is on on one hand you saved two million, on the other one you lost thirty-six thousand. I mean, how does it add up? And this is one thing. Uh, to ask the questions and to check if what they are saying is actually true and what they are doing has the effect they are saying it, it has. Uh, two is showing up specific, um, right now branches probably, that might have been somehow skipped because no one thought they are in a, they have a large problem or no one actually realized how deep this got into economy, into separate branches. Um, so, of course, tourism, um, transportation, 
uh, restaurants and bars is it's an obvious example. But then there's a bunch of examples that you actually don't realize are hit as well because everyone is hit. So giving voice to those maybe not heard that often is is another thing. And um, and the third thing I'd say is as usual, but now it's kind of specific. As you know, um, misinformation and trying to deal with misinformation as with every crisis, there's misinformation for this on an, or, or, or another reason. Um, and this is like, yeah, so this is the third point, like pointing out, okay, so this is not true. And for some reason, this is fake news or misinformation or mm. just using the situation for some sort of a reason some sort of benefit or whatever else i mean misinformation is obviously something that that's existed for a for for a fairly long time you know people have been creating and sharing uh, misinformed or just completely untrue content uh, for some time and obviously the internet and social media has ballooned it beyond beyond um what it used to be uh, but i find that obviously crisis crises like this this coronavirus and this pandemic have exacerbated that and increased. I mean, what kind of misinformation have you encountered um, d- during this crisis in, in your work? Um, apart from like those that probably media all around um, have encountered, I was trying to find something that's maybe not that popular. I mean, this probably someone has used it outside of Poland as well. Um, but the guy um, that used it in Poland is is a, is is very well known in Poland for uh, his um, for his treatments online. Right. He's not a doctor. He's not a doctor. He never was. He's I think he's an engineer, not a very successful one in terms of engineering. But he got yeah. very successful at, and he makes a lot of money on those pseudo treatments. Um, with uh, I think the most like stressed part of it is vitamin c the right um banded vitamin c if there's anything anything like it so so, but right curve or right curved i don't know um vitamin c and he said so this was one of those misinformation and he said um you know it's it's possible to cure the the coronavirus and covid with with vitamin c the the right curved vitamin c and you can of course buy it through his online uh, of course. website or whatever that is um and he's very popular on youtube unfortunately um he has lots and lots of theories on many um diseases uh, illnesses and so on and of course he got into the coronavirus business as well with his vitamin c um so yes this is so if if any any of you heard it no, please don't try this at home. You won't, you know, cure yourself eating, uh, uh, you know, a kilogram of uh, lemons or, you know, buying oranges or whatever, <laughs> whatever he's selling for quite a large amount of money. Um, so this was one. This was one specifically Polish. But of course, there's there's lots of informa- misinformation. Actually, I know a journalist who used what. I'm not sure if this was actually fake, if this was misinformation, because we could not, in any way, we could not check it if this is verified, if this is true or not. I think it was untrue, but she was very upset with herself saying this on live television. But I was like, okay, come on, this could have happened to you because, you know, and we could not verify the information because the information was why Italy was the first country hit by coronavirus and especially the northern part of it was because... First country in Europe, obviously. Hmm? Yeah. First country in Europe to be, to be hit. Well, the, of course, the first country yeah. in Europe is because um, on the for, at those uh, places um, where the elderly are treated and live, there's a, a huge number of personnel is Chinese. And some of them were from Wuhan, and they brought the disease to this part of Italy. And we had a problem. It was weeks ago. We had a problem verifying it because no one actually on the Internet said it was true or untrue. Like, so this was somewhere you could find this information or misinformation, but it was pretty hard to verify it if this is true or not. And this has this kind of a racist you know link xenophobic yeah 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 um so 
and you know i have not i have not used this piece on my own um live but you know i have not verified it actually so i think some of the misinformation we are targeted by it for this reason or another like this by it if this is fake this probably was you know just kind of a racist xenophobic kind of a, a line that someone took mm -hmm. And and how do you um you as journalists normally deal with information like that because it's it's raw information it's it's completely unverifiable in a lot of ways but doesn't that kind of suggest that actually as journalists we we shouldn't use it because it's it's important that anything that we put out there is factually verified she kind of used it you know this came up in a conversation in an interview live and she mm. just somehow it popped up and she used it actually we we could probably verify it if we you know used a bit of care we could actually you know call our common friend and ask him about it in in italy mm. and he probably you know if he had if he doesn't know anything about it it's probably fake because he's a he's an, we have a common friend he's a journalist in in italy um and you know asking him he'd probably know and if he didn't know this would probably mean this is just not true yeah um but just yesterday one of the um because we have a presidential elections coming in poland and well it's supposed to you know we're supposed to vote in 10 days um and will that be going ahead or Will the election be going ahead? Do you think, or is it going to, or has it been pushed back? So it's a, it's a it's a problem because the government are actually pushing forward. Um, but what they are doing right now is uh, the postal offices are supposed to cover it, so we're not supposed to go to like on the you know just just vote on the road. polling stations or anything like that. We're yeah. supposed to have the the voting cards in our boxes in our houses, um, vote at home, and then send it. Via, via mail um, and one of the candidates like the, the one that no one knows because he's like he's, he doesn't have a support I mean like I don't know he's probably you know, him and his wife and his I don't know <laughs> or, I mean seriously he's like he's like this guy who was I'm not, uh, he was a, uh, a deputy at the EU parliament mm. European parliament and he actually uh, established a party poll exit party um, so he's like, you know, no one ever, I mean, apart from journalists, no one ever heard about him. Probably I heard about him because he's kind of a, you know, surprising guy to use, not to use other words. <laughs> um, and just yesterday he came up with a card, a voting card. He showed it on a press conference and he said, I got those from someone and this is real. And instead of having a seal, uh it, it's printed the seal is printed on the card so like you know i can scan it i can copy it and send it to whomever i want because this does not it's, it's not a legitimate seal and i was like okay so this is some kind of you know it's 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 i i almost used the b word again <laughs> okay it's not true yeah untrue yes false and actually <laughs> the way of verifying it uh, a, a, a reporter at one of the radio stations, RMF, uh, he asked the ministry who's in charge of, because they have changed a lot, and one of the ministries is supposed to be in charge of the elections, and they have asked them, and he asked them if this is a legitimate uh, document, and they said yes. So what he got was an actual voting cards, although the procedure is not, because the law that um because they are pushing a new law so because now we should not be voting on, on on mail we should you know have regular elections so on one hand there's no bill the bill is still in the parliament that allows them to actually print those cards on the other hand those cards are already printed apparently and he got legitimate cards from someone because he said okay so i have a friend and he works for a company and they got a contract to pack it in envelopes mm. and he got it to me. So, <clears throat> and I was, you know, pretty much sure that this guy's from nowhere. He's like a pole exit party and no one knows. I mean, he's, you know, he printed it probably himself. Turns out not. People, um, journalists have verified it and this is legitimate. This is true. It's actually going on.
So his concern was legitimate then, his, his, in, in that specific yes, case. Yes, and, you know, and, and what, what the journalist did to verify it is just they actually asked the source, the, the very source, which is the ministry. And they said, yes, this is, this is legitimate. This is actually the, the file. So he actually got the documents from somewhere. And if he got them, anyone can get them. So how do you, you, know, how do you go on with the elections if, if you, you cannot even control what's happening to the voting cards? Yeah, I mean, that's a legitimate point, and and that's the, and what what what's really interesting about that story or important about that story is that what you initially thought about this guy, as in our our internal biases about this person that no one knew about or no one heard about, is that oh he must be peddling something misinformed or whatever else to defend his game. I, I knew about this guy before, and I. I knew he was no serious politician. He was like, you know, he was building up a pseudo party um, supported by a small group of people. Um, he's a he's a no name. He's a no one in Poland. No one knows him. I ha- actually I have no idea how he has gathered one hundred thousand um, signatures for his candidacy to because this is the amount of, of signatures you need to gather to people who support you uh, to to become a candidate for for uh, in the presidential elections, presidential elections. So, um, but somehow he did. Um, so, you know, knowing this little about him, I thought, okay, so this is probably, if anyone got those documents, it probably someone else, I'd say. You know, if I had, if I had those documents being a source for someone, I'd give it to someone else someone who's uh, at least appears to be more trustworthy than uh, a, a person that pretty much no one knows turns out i was wrong and he was right and that's and that's but that but that's the 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 importance and beauty of journalism isn't it is that the whatever the assumption is um journalists go verify that information to ensure that whatever the facts and the truth are um, come out, and that's, that's responsible journalism. You know, like making sure that if you hear a telltale story about anything, you verify it and either debunk it if it's if it's misinformation, or verify it and then push it out as, as, as fact. Um, which is to which be is... honest, if I if I got this uh, this this press conference yesterday, and I got the information that he showed what he showed, I probably I probably wouldn't broadcasted it. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't broadcast it. I probably say, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing it before we verify it because this guy is not credible. Um, but that's good journalism, isn't it? That's 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 good journalism because it shows that you're not going to inflame, um, you know, the internet by putting out more potential misinformation. You want to verify it and fact check it before it goes out. On one hand, yes, but. On the other, it's there's two points. On the other hand, first he was right and I was wrong, mm-hmm. so it was my bias that I wouldn't actually because my bias is also that if any of the the candidates that actually who actually count came up with this, I you know I'd broadcast it in an instant because I'd be okay. So <clears throat> even if this is fake, him you know showing up with this fake is a piece of information. Um, and me being biased, of course, because not, you know, not, not treating this guy seriously, mm-hmm. um, would be actually not showing this until I verify it. And otherwise I'd probably show it without verifying and then I'd verify it because why I do it because it's no one cares if a random guy that no one knows come up, comes up, comes up with a, with a fake, no one cares about it. But if, you know, a legitimate candidate that actually has any chances to win the, the, the elections comes up with a fake, it's a news, even if he shows up a fake. Um, so that's what I do. And this is one is biased that I wouldn't do it because of my own bias. And the other thing is, OK, and my bias got me into a you know place where I was wrong because it turns out it was it was for real. I mean, would, would you have handled that story differently in any other way or would you would you always... Would you always verify from? I'd have a distance. I mean, I'd say, okay, so this is what he's showing. Um, but I'd stress that it's not confirmed, that we don't know the source, that we don't know where he got it. We don't know if he... I wouldn't say that, but I would assume that, you know, I mean, I would help people assume that maybe he has printed it 
you know, himself, because why not? Um, yeah, I'd be treating him differently, and thus I'd be treating the, the this this piece of information mm-hmm. differently, yeah. or you know, being suspicious about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's it's interesting because bias is. Um... And and you're right. Like you have bias, I have bias. We all have biases towards um, a variety of different things, variety of different people. Um, it could be something around um, music. It could be something around art. It could be around the sport. You know, if I asked you what 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 sport I should watch that's interesting, you'll obviously tell me something that that you're interested in. That's 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 in a sense a, a bias. It's a harmless bias. Bridge, you know, and water polo, and um. Uh, bridge, waterfall, chess, you know, checkers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like, all of those things are, are biases that you hold. They're harmless. But of course, there are those kind of biases are harmless. But when you go into things like race, religion, ethnicity or whatever else, those things obviously have 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 a massive impact. Um, but I think we, we, we I, I'm kind of wondering, because obviously your bias towards that individual was because you didn't know him. He didn't build up. Exactly. And I wonder if that's such a bad thing or is it um, a way of almost preserving? Because there's other candidates, some would say or someone would suggest, have built up a level of trust. Well, okay, so um, maybe this is not because I trust any of the other candidates, but this is also about what I've said. And I think, okay, um, maybe because... If um, if another candidate showed this instead of this guy, I'd also try and verify it. I wouldn't take it for granted, of course. So maybe I'd show it not because I trust them that much, <clears throat> but because I think that if they come up with a fake, they are making fool of themselves. And it will get debunked at some point and they would really lose lose credibility and damage themselves. And this is news because, okay, so someone who's actually for real and, and is serious about what they're doing comes up with a fake, didn't verify it. Um, this is news. Mm-hmm. And if a guy that no one knows and has no chances of winning, it's obvious, comes up with a fake, no one cares about it. It's not news. I mean, okay, so a, a random guy came up, showed something, <coughs> turned out it was not right. It doesn't really matter. Um, so yes, this this maybe this is um, this is what why why I wouldn't uh, why, why I would treat this with uh, with a with a reserve kind of a kind of a distance um, because you know him making full of himself is no news. Uh, president making full of himself is news, of course. So 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 maybe maybe this as well. But uh, no matter who showed it, I. Ask someone. I'd 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 verify it, or probably ask someone to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, and, and verification because it's is, not my job on the show to you know to to verify. Grab a uh, yeah to grab a phone and now start calling ministries and ask them if this is real or not. But of course, if our if a reporter got you know the information, okay, so this is this is for real. This is a legitimate document. Document. Um, I'd be like, okay, so we got it. We got this verified. It's covered. It's you know, it's 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 for real. I mean, I mean, it would be a little bit awkward if you were in the studio live talking and just saying, hold on a minute, before we carry on, let me just get my phone out, start calling. Yes, uh, Minister, do you? <laughs> if we did it live, if we got the, the the person live on television, like, okay, so we got this this news, and now we're you know. This is uh, this is the, the ministry of uh, the minister of whatever uh, of internal affairs on our phone. Good morning. So can you uh, verify this? Is this is this true or not? We could do this on live. Te- it'd actually be great live television to do it. You know, live. Have you ever done it like that? Have you ever have you ever debunked something like that live? Um, of. This um, this big, I don't think. I, I don't know if I don't think we've ever debunked live such a, such something that's that big because you know uh, releasing somehow voting cards is it's huge. Oh yeah, I mean that that that's, that can derail elections. The whole procedure is untrustworthy. Um, but I'm sure me and 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 most of journalists probably have 
you know, asked someone about a piece of information. I can't, you know, come up with anything right now, but yeah, sure. Like, you know, okay. So someone said that, and now we are calling the, 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 the spokesperson for this or that. And, and, you know, <clears throat> lately uh, with COVID, we asked our viewers to ask us questions. Um, and we did this twice. One, this was the chief of the prime minister's, chancellery and the second time it was the spokesperson for the ministry of health and our viewers sent us dozens of questions like okay so do i like if oh i'm having a wedding in two weeks do i need to wear a face mask or um is if the if you are opening the beaches by the sea and by the lake, is sailing um, allowed? And if it is, how many people can be on the on the boat? And do we have to keep the social distancing rules? And like you know, this is so specific. You would never come up with a question like that. But then your viewers have those you know bunch of you know things that I mean I mean you know, cases that, that, that you wouldn't come up with, you wouldn't think of. And here they are. Like when this whole thing started, it was very unclear. It was, I think it was the day after they have announced most of the, mm, the rules of social distancing and travel and so on. And like at least 10 people asked us if the lorry drivers that, you know, bring supplies from all around Europe are entering Poland, do they have to, uh, will they be quarantined for two weeks? And there was no specific answer, mm. like during the press conference, because it was very short and there was no time for questions. So I think we might have been like the first ones to actually get an official, <laughs> and this was the, the, the head of uh, Prime Minister's Chancellery, to be, to, you know, to get it cleared, like, okay, so no, lorry drivers do not take, do they need to take quarantine? They just need to take tests, like every week or so. Um, and so, so yeah, you know, this is like this is the moment when you get a very large amount of very important information for certain for information for certain groups. Um, and yeah, so this this is how it works, and it's it's you know it's rewarding kind of. No, I can imagine. I can imagine, and also it, 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 it helps deal with with misinformation because often when you see misinformation or when you see things that are clearly not true, they often live in this bubble where information hasn't been made available either because the government hasn't been clear or because the science or the doctors haven't caught up. Uh, you know, they're playing catch up with the virus, and therefore it takes time for them to get information out there and. Um, you know, covering small things like that means that you give factual information to counter those um, those other potential um, misinformed narratives. Um, one of the things that we found, though, is that quite often one of the bigger issues is that people presume that all news sites, all channels, etc., are the same. You know, there's that kind of idea or that myth around journalism that oh, all you got to do is write an article and then stick it up online, and it ends up on on the front page of a major site. And of course, that's not at all true. Some smaller, less reputable websites or whatever else may do that, but for a lot of good journalism and even TV stations, over there's a lot of checks and balances that go through that. And with the stories that you talk about or, or the things that you cover, is there a specific process that maybe you or your team goes through before something goes on air? Well, I guess there always is. Like, and first of all, if you say all the media are the same in terms of what they cover and how they cover it, I'd say, well, yes, in many places they are, and this is very good. Because if one outlet and then another one and then another one covers a story, and you know the conclusions are the same and in each of those outlets there's a group of journalists or, or at least a reporter and an editor who covered the story and they have pretty much got to the same conclusions even if you can you know then watch it on one and then the second one and then the third one news show in the evening or in the morning this means that this was very far verified quite quite well and thus this is probably true and of course like 
what's um it's 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 quite hard right now because sometimes uh, especially when you're doing a live interview <coughs> it's i'm i had this feeling for i've i've been having this feeling for quite a while now it's years that many politicians maybe most of them when they are giving an interview and being interviewed are not necessarily um using this opportunity to um to convince you to what they are about, but actually to kind of, um, they treat these as a duel. They try to win. So they would tell, and there's many of them who would tell anything, even if this is not true, counting that you would not verify it. And imagine there's a, there's an interview and it's live and you have, you know, eight minutes or 10 minutes um, and suddenly a politician, a, a minister comes up with a, with a number, with a figure. He says, okay, so we have, what our policy has done is we have saved two million jobs, two millions of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes up, you know, out of the blue with that. Now it's not out of the blue because we know that where this figure comes from. But imagine you don't know that. How do you verify this? I mean, you say, okay, Prime Minister, but where did you take those numbers? Okay, so this is our statistics. We counted it. How did you count it? Well, you know, we follow. We are. We have our experts, and this is, you know, we have um, we have assumed the number of of uh, uh, jobs that will be lost, and they're not lost. So we have saved two million. You are not. It's not possible to verify it live most of the times. So either you are super great, um, amazing in what you do in any kind of a topic. And, you know, we have five to eight interviews a day and they're all a different topic. So it's not possible to, to like, you know, have it in, in, in you know, one finger, all of them. Um, and sometimes, so, and, and they trick you. The interview is done. You check it. Turns out it was, you know, it was untrue. They, they tricked you. This doesn't matter because you know what's done was done. What was done is done. It's, it's like you can do. Okay, you will <clears throat> write an article about it, or you will come back to it. But they have an impression they won. I mean, they said something. You didn't, you know, check it. So you know they win. And of course, it's the interview that's going to get the most views anyway. Like the interview, the, the sort of live piece is the thing that's going to get shared the most. So why 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 reporters' job is that important is because a reporter has um, ways and time to at least try and verify all that has been said. Um, and the way you do it is, um, first of all, you get to the source. You ask about, the, okay, so if the prime minister said that, you call his office and say, okay, we want those numbers. Like, can we get the statistics specifically, how you counted it? That it's it's impossible live, but you know you email them, they email it back to you in five hours. Okay, you get it. You go through it, and you see. Okay, but this was an assumption. Like this was an assumption. You're going to lose those two million jobs. Two million jobs. Like there, there's nothing by it. Like okay, so he could have said five million because they could have assumed five million. Like this is what a reporter does. Yesterday, the the prime minister said, or two days ago, he said. Uh, the experts on the on the constitution say there's three possible dates of the elections because we're supposed to vote on the tenth, but there's a bill in the parliament. Also, it's in the par- It's not. It's not passed yet. That makes it possible to vote on the seventeenth as well and on the twenty third. And he said, okay. So the experts on the constitution say. This has to be before between the tenth, but also it could be. I mean, this has to be between the tenth and the twenty-third. But he didn't have. He didn't give a name. One name of a, and I'm quite sure he has one name, because pretty much all of the experts on the law are against. Like they are saying, no, it's 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 impossible. You cannot change the date right now because this is in the constitution. The constitution gives uh, the speaker of the parliament the right and the obligation to uh, set the date of the elections, mm-hmm. but it says nothing about changing it. So if the constitution says nothing about changing it, it means you cannot change it. Yeah. Even if you pass a bill that 
you know, says you can, well, you can't because this is unconstitutional. So the prime minister said, and there were no questions. He said, okay, so the experts on the constitution, the experts on the constitution say it's possible in 10, 17, 23rd. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, and like, everyone's like, uh, uh, what experts? Where did you get them? Give us the names. Give us the, you know, what do you mean they say? You must have, you know, gotten an expertise on that. So show us the expertise. Who's they? Who's they? And show us the documents. You you have, you you had to, you know, order it from someone. Ask, ask someone to, to write it for you. It's public information. Who did it and what's in it? You know, and this is this is the the job that's not possible live. Like, okay, so, so they ended the the conference. It's nothing you can do about it right now at this very moment. But you can ask them. <clears throat> if they don't respond, you you say, okay, so they said the experts. They did not give a name, and they they did not respond with any name, any specifics on that. You ask other experts. Because, you know, no journalist is an expert on, on everything. It's good if they're an expert on one thing. It's good enough. Um, if those experts say, no, this is not true, you can balance it. Okay, so the prime minister, who's a politician, says this is one thing. And, but the experts who are no politicians and maybe have less interest in claiming this is true or untrue say it's untrue. So, you know, that's the job we're doing, like asking questions and seeing if, you know, what, what the politicians, especially politicians, are saying is true. Or if there's an expert, why is saying that? Maybe maybe he has, you know, an interest in saying this or that. Like we ask a lot of questions about because now the economy and, and the new laws on the economy, <clears throat> on the uh, uh, work market. But most of the time we ask the employers, not the employees, not trade unions, but employers and employers unions and associations. I mean, of course, they have an opinion, but their opinion is their interest. Of course, you need to balance this with a with a trade union. If if you have a trade union and an employer, and they both say pre- pretty much the same, they agree. Well, maybe you know this is balanced. Maybe okay, so maybe the, 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 this is the you know the the truth that's outside of any kind of an interest of bias because you know they have different interests by the but they are saying the same thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, verifying like like science takes time, um, and, and that can lead to a lot of misunderstanding or, or, or misrepresentation of a say a number or a stat or, or whatever else. I mean, how problematic do you find this with, with interviews, not just politicians but just people in general, when they sort of trick you or, or they throw a random stat in there that you that you struggle to verify initially, and and how? how can media or news organizations resolve this issue? Because anybody that watches TV will see live interviews, will see press conferences. And, and if you, and if you know a little bit about the subject, you know, a little bit about media, you can, you can see it sometimes. It's very, very clear. Well, first of all is dig. Hmm. Um, okay. So they claimed something dig, like uh, where did you get the number? How did you get those figures? Who's your expert? Uh, what did they specifically say? And so on and so on. But then, normally the time of the interview that we are having is um, seven to nine minutes and you want to cover other topics as well. So it's quite hard once. Oh, this I remember. And I was talking to a former minister um, for education, I I guess. And there's those um, tests that the students all around Europe or world, I guess, are taking. Um, uh, they have a name. Uh, I don't remember the name right now. Um, but th- so this is a group of tests. It's international. And this is the way of comparing like students and schools all around. Um, and I said, okay, so and we were talking about uh, changing because we used to have uh, three um, kinds of schools like the the primary school then the so-called gymnasium and then the the high, the high school and they have changed the the, the the middle one they have you know erased it and, and it's just primary and high school and we were talking that okay so the level of uh, why why what's why they want to do it is because the level of violence in those uh, like semi schools whatever you'd... the mid- the middle schools yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The level of violence was very, very high, and those tests showed it. I found the stats somewhere on the internet, you know. 
preparing for the interview. And the, and the, the lady said, the interviewee, a former minister of education said, no, 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 those tests don't cover it. Right. Well, okay, so either I got it wrong the other night when I was, you know, checking it, or she's wrong. But I just got it, you know, I found it online, and she's a former minister of education. So who would I trust? A journalist? Who's, you know, I know how the preparations go, like how fast you have to be about it, or a former minister and i i kind of skipped the, the this part i was i didn't want to go into it i checked it again after the interview and i was right she was wrong huh. but she wouldn't care and she i i can't believe she didn't know that she was wrong because she was i, I mean how what is an expert if not you know the chief of the ministry um and she was. She just said no. You're. She just. Told, she just said no. You're wrong because those te- those tests don't cover it. They only cover the specific subjects in school. And I, you know, I moved back from it because I. I thought, okay, so probably she's right, and I'm, and I'm wrong. No. It's almost like that imposter syndrome of. It's impossible oh, oh. to check it live, because uh, I. I can't. Okay, so let's let's have a you know commercial break. Two minute break and I'll be. <laughs> I need two minutes to you know to check it again. Would you think there there should be more? Um, because I I remember I mean during the um, during the UK um December election last year, so during the December twenty nineteen election, um, ITV did a um the the leaders live debate right between between the two. I mean we have more than two parties, but because of our electoral system, which I'm not going to bore you with, uh, we have two main parties that get a lot of a, a large portion of the seats. So obviously Labour and the Conservatives, uh, both of their leaders were doing this uh, dual debate on, on ITV. And there were a couple of fact checkers, I think one specifically, that was essentially fact checking live whilst the politicians were were, were speaking. Um, as, as best as you can, obviously. Um, but that was really, I, I found it quite effective because you had... Again, like you say, uh, politicians treating this as a jewel and they were going back and forth and then quoting stats and so forth that no one had heard of before and all that kind of stuff. And um, exactly what you're describing, essentially. But the fact checkers were there. Obviously, the issue is that fact checkers don't have the same reach as media organizations. Um, but they were they were fact checking. They were able to do it quite quickly um, to find out if what it was saying was true and what wasn't. Um I'm just wondering, like, one of the ways that potentially dealing with this issue, I wonder, is is there, is there does there need to be more collaboration between media companies and fact-checking organizations, which there are quite a few now, um, to deal with this issue? First of all, those tests are PISA tests, Program for International Student Assessment, right. that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah PISA. Um, and second of all, uh, well, fact-checking is, unfortunately... Um, uh, Postat does not have a does not have a fact checking team. Our the, the other company, our competition, they have one. I'm not gonna say it's very successful, but it kind of is. Like, okay, so they're not like <clears throat> they're not quoted very very often, and this is the way I see success in terms of of media of of information verification. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many debunks they have and how how popular they get because this is you know pop- popularity is is a success measure in, in media I'd say, but it's crucial um, that you actually try and do it at least try and do it because they debunk a lot of stuff sometimes they debunk you know memes that are um, stupid but but unfortunately people trust memes as well. Um, and sometimes they actually do more. Well, the memes are also serious because if people trust it, then then it, it means it's serious because they take they know their knowledge from from meme. Yeah, of course, of course. You you take your advice. If you're taking advice from it, then then it can be damaging. They of course they cover politicians and their claims as well. And it is very important because um, if they do it, then a the reporter might not does not have to do it because it's done by his colleagues. And sometimes, you know, there's a there's a short piece of information, a small one that's important, but no one's covering it, like, specifically. If they do it, 
this first of all they give legitimate information to the world to their viewers and to the readers second of all um this also counts as a measure for how trustworthy a, a politician is if you know if he says something and then it turns out it's clearly untrue well you know this builds his kind of a image view or whatever you can view the person for what they say and mm -hmm. if you know if it happens quite often to them that they're claiming their, their claims are not real then um this says quite a lot about them yeah yeah no definitely definitely and also says quite a lot about the the current situation that not not just poland obviously but a lot of countries are are, are finding themselves in like i've heard the term you know we're living in a post-factual society um quite often sort of thrown around but i think there's there's, there's a bit of truth in that especially when you mix in um the the levels of misinformation that are coming out but one thing i think is, is quite positive is that people are turning to real news sources people are kind of finding the um the 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 value in in good journalism and getting those facts and making sure that you get the right information um one thing I so obviously in in your work you you verify quite a lot um the the stories before they go out there or try to obviously as best as best as you can um what what kind of advice would you give to people that you know when they go online or when they see things online to sort of ensure that they they become a bit more critical when when engaging with information uh, before they share or, or believe the thing that they've they've read or viewed um so the source of information, meaning the, the, the media outlet is, I'd say, for once, crucial. Um, you know, me knowing a large group of journalists and actually knowing who's who is actually, I don't necessarily only check the, the website or the newspaper that covers the story, but, you know, the journalist, you know, this, this person. So I pretty much know if they are uh more or less trustworthy or um, if someone says okay so our sources say this or that i can imagine what there's what they what their sources are so i could say okay so this guy says he has his sources and they said this or that but as far as i know this guy you know he has his sources are not necessarily the prime minister or his you know closest um team but then you read another one and you say okay so this guy is if he if he wrote such a thing and he said okay so our sources in the prime minister's chancellery this probably means this is the prime minister but just not you know saying on the record um so, so but so first of all is the media outlet then if you are able or know the the author the very author is it's 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 quite important um what he what takes more time is verifying if anyone's saying same thing or if anyone has covered it before but you can google everything right now and if someone has has an exclusive story well you have to judge for yourself if you want to um if you want to trust a journalist or maybe you want to trust a politician who says no this is not true and i'm you know for obvious reasons i'm going for the first option um <clears throat> But on the other hand, not necessarily every time. Like, you know, there's media outlets that I don't trust at all, that I know are biased, and um, journalists that are biased, untrustworthy. One of the, unfortunately, the public television, well, the public media, but television, most importantly, in Poland, got very, very political. Um, now it's, especially right now, during this campaign, they are very supportive of the government and of the current um, uh, president. And it's, it's very, it's extremely obvious. Um, so, you know, okay, so, so they call themselves journalists, but uh, actually no one apart from them uses the, this term to, to describe them anymore. Um, and um, to be honest, yeah, so this is a media outlet and so-called journalists, and I wouldn't, you know, take, the, if they, I asked them, the time i wouldn't actually believe that you know they have responded with a with a real answer <laughs> yeah, yeah um so 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 no so 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 this is quite bad but then even those outlets that 
uh, verify information a lot. You know, everyone makes mistakes, and especially right now when you try to be first with everything, sometimes you know, bad things happen. Um, and this example that I that I used before um, when I was uh, when I had um, uh, webinars or or workshops was it's quite an old one, but it's it's spectacular. It's it's really spectacular. It was in two thousand and nine. It, now you can say it's kind of a grotesque. Um, 2009 was a plane crash, Air France from 447 from Brazil to France. Mm -hmm. The plane has crashed in the ocean. Uh, so it was, you know, it was tragic. It was, it was a passenger jet, Air France, uh, 200 something people on board. Um, and one of the news channels in Poland, and is a very an extremely um, experienced journalist, was covering it live. And right after the, I mean, hours after the, the crash, he went live and um, he showed pictures taken on the flight. Maybe it was the next day. Taken during the flight, after the plane has broken in half, so you could see in those pictures, you could see people actually, you know, people were falling out of the plane. You could see that it's, you know, cut in half. And um, well, the thing was that I don't know if may many of our viewers probably don't know the show. Um, maybe you remember it. Um, Lost. Lost, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, this was a TV show about a group of people who survived a plane crash. And those pictures were no. too much... Yeah, there were snaps from, from the show, from the very beginning of the show, from one of the first episodes. Someone Jeez. got them online on a blog and said, okay, so this was recovered from a camera of one of the, of the passengers who, you know knowing what's happening and seeing that this is the final moments of the flight took pictures and the plane crashed and they have found the the camera and recovered the pictures and you know a, instead of asking himself questions like who takes pictures in such a moment <laughs> how in the world did they recover a camera from you know the ocean like how is it even possible how did this get into media instead of asking himself those questions and this is like an extremely experienced journalist the first thing he did he got live with it he showed it live an hour later he came back and said okay so this was this was not real you know and now you can laugh because this was 11 years ago and you know this but this was tragic you know this was like you know this was just happening all media all over were covering it and he uh, and i read that <clears throat> he did this and i don't want to be wrong but i think one television in bolivia as well did this oh they they, they showed the pictures of, from lost as well you know they, they let themselves be tricked with those pictures and and showed them my claiming God. them this is you know this is what it was it be, and why this happens is okay so we got such a thing and like there's i think there's at least three vectors that are working like three three reasons one is that you have something that's so hot it burns your fingers like this is unbelievable that you have it's, it's just unbelievable what you see and you know being a journalist you want to tell the world about it Second, you know that no one in your country, at least, has showed it to anyone before. So you're the first, you know, the first... So you're breaking an exclusive almost. Yes, it's like, okay, everyone's going to have it in half hour. But you, but this is only, uh, maybe they already have it. So you have to be the first one to show it because maybe in the next five minutes they are showing it. So this is what... <coughs> Um, what works and um, the, the, the third thing is probably just you know trying to do your best and seeing a thing that's like 
you can't stop yourself from 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 pretty much doing it. Instead of verifying, you wanna you know show what you did. Like, bang! At this very moment, you are actually nervous because you knew. You know, you need those um, graphics to get on the computer, then transfer to, and like, like counting seconds, like, come on, come on, guys, do it faster. So you, you pretty much switch off your critical thinking, probably, and you, you're just trying to to be as fast about it as possible. And I think for a lot of, and, and that's the point, I think, switching off critical thinking, which in, in an age where we want everything yesterday, we don't want it now, we want it couple of minutes before now like we want everything now we want it quick we want to then tell the world about it everyone wants to be uh, sharing being the first to know about something and the reality is is that all of that is is emotionally driven especially in times like a pandemic or in times like that plane crash you know we we it's all emotion it's all emotion driven and we even for that experienced journalist you know switch off our critical thinking and rather than taking a step back saying oh i these pictures look weirdly familiar to a, a show I may have watched at some point. Um, you you almost put that out of your head and just say, "Oh my god, I've got this thing. This is this is horrific." You want to share it rather than, as you say, you know, who whilst almost getting dragged out of a plane thinks, "Let me take out my phone, take a quick selfie before I get dragged out into." Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's but you just don't think because that's all critical and you don't think critically. And I think that's that's a, a really important takeaway lesson is that we've got to change the way our media habits are and even in the most emotional moments even during something like a pandemic we need to think we need to still think critically because we might end up sharing something that um is either from a show or give someone a bit of bad advice mihal thank you so much uh, for that uh, thank you for listening to Media Minded, the podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction, produced by Shoutout UK and recorded and edited by Sabina McKenzie Brown. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department.